Well, uh, this fall I've been preaching through a sermon series that I've entitled Justice, as I was saying before I interrupted myself, looking at what the Bible has to say about justice, how to evaluate the cultural messages that are all around us on justice. And I'm slowly working my way through this series. I'm not trying to bite off too much at once, and so just be patient if you feel like I'm not getting to the topics you want me to discuss. I'll get there eventually. And every week I've started with three preliminary comments, which I want to repeat this week. First of all, this is not primarily a political sermon series, nor is it a social science lecture series. This is primarily a pastor speaking from God's word, uh, trying to help us love God and love our neighbor better. Secondly, as I said uh, the past couple weeks, this is some, this is a topic, and I'm going to be addressing some topics that are very, uh, shall we say, controversial. Um, there are some things that uh, you say them out loud and people could have an issue with. I want to encourage you as the church to set the example of speaking the truth in love. I don't expect that you'll agree with everything I have to say. I don't expect that I have the perfect outlook on everything. And so if you feel like I'm missing the boat on something, if you think that I need a different perspective on something, if you think I'm just flat out wrong in something, I'd encourage you to speak the truth in love to me. I welcome correction. I am not above uh, being corrected if I'm wrong or missing the boat on something. So please, I encourage you, speak the truth in love. And then thirdly, my goal in this series is not to help us collectively wag our finger at the culture, but to hold up a mirror to ourselves as the church. How are we doing in fulfilling God's call to do justice? Okay? So that's the hope, is that we will, as we look at God's word, evaluate ourselves and how we are doing in terms of doing justice. So let me quickly look back at the first three weeks. In the first week, I looked at God the creator and how we are created beings designed by God and we find life to the full as we live in accord with his design for us. And that's very important because we live in a culture that is more and more moving away from belief in a creator, instead towards belief in kind of your, your own creation and you can design yourself and call yourself whatever you want and others just need to affirm and applaud that. However, we believe if the Bible is true and God is a creator, then we find our joy and life to the full in living according to his design. Secondly, I looked uh, the second week at how we're all made in the image of God. That is why any life matters, because we are created in the image of God. We don't look to nature. We don't look to the laws to tell us that we matter. We look to God, who tells us that every single human being is made in the image of God and is worthy of dignity. And then thirdly, last week we looked at the concept of sin and the fall, and how even though that's a topic and a word that's fallen out of favor, it's the best way of understanding what is wrong with this world. That underneath all of it is sin, this rebellion against God, this out of step with how God has created us to be, this brokenness inside of us. So eventually I'm going to get into more specifics about justice and what the Bible calls us to do when it comes to justice. But again, I'm trying to lay the foundation here, the groundwork, so we can come at this with the right perspective. And there's something really, really important, something very vital. If we're going to talk about doing justice that we need to address first, and that's going to be what I talk about this morning. So let me begin with prayer before I dive into that. Father, I pray that you would open our ears and open our hearts. Help us to understand what it is that you have to say to your church. Help us to hold up a mirror, Lord, to ourselves and understand your gospel and your call in our life. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You need to adapt your lifestyle to combat global warming and climate change. You need to fight against consumerism and its effects on the lower class. When are you going to start supporting prison reform and working against laws that imprison people unjustly? 
And how are you helping those who've been freed from prison to transition into society? What are you doing about inequalities in education or to make college more affordable for working class people? How are you addressing economic inequalities in America or around the world for that matter? Why are you not doing anything about those in the foster care system, those children without homes and families? What about reducing the number of abortions in your community and providing aid to women with unwanted pregnancies? What about the elderly who go uncared for in nursing homes? Why are you not doing more about voting rights and gerrymandering and redlining? Why are you not more concerned about fair elections? How can you sleep at night when millions around the world go without clean water or basic hygiene needs? What about immigration? How are you not aware of the problem of land grabbing around the world? Why are you not doing more for gender equality, racial equality? What about the rights of the LGBTQ community? Why are you not sharing your excess with the victims of natural disasters like the Haitians who've lost nearly everything? What are you doing about unjust war? Why are you not more concerned about terrorism? Why are you not speaking out against genocides around the globe? Aren't you upset by the torture practices that our U.S. government performs on prisoners of war? What are you doing about human trafficking around the world? Don't you understand that people are being trafficked under your nose in your community while you do nothing about it? What are you doing to encourage sustainable agriculture and farming practices? Are you buying fair trade coffee and chocolate and clothing? Why are you not more concerned about underrepresentation of minority groups in Hollywood? What about hashtag MeToo, the abuse and mistreatment of women? What about hashtag Church Too, the abuse and mistreatment of women and minors in the church? Why are you not more concerned about universal health care for all? Or why the rich have more access to medical resources than the poor? Why are you not doing more for the differently abled? What are you doing to combat homelessness or to lift people out of poverty? Why aren't you doing more to advocate for affordable housing for people? Why aren't you doing more to advocate? Why are, what about the effects of the media and social media on body image, especially in teenage girls? Are you not paying attention to the rising rates of anxiety, depression, and suicide? Shouldn't you be more concerned with advocating for people's mental health? How, about, how are you helping those with addictions? How are you combating the opioid crisis? How can you let so many around the world die from COVID-19 while Americans have excess vaccines that they have to throw away? How do you sleep at night? Now, how are you feeling right now, having heard that list? What I was trying to do there was list a sample of justice issues that are out there right now in our world, and our culture. I'm sure I missed some along the way. I'm sure you can let me know later which ones I missed. But there's certainly been a resurgence lately, I would say, in interest in social justice. And while there's some causes that demand the headlines around our, uh, around our country, like racial equality, climate change, LGBTQ issues, the more you open your eyes and look carefully around the world, you find that there's just an overwhelming number of justice issues, right? It seems you can't even wear anything or eat anything or drive to church even without somehow contributing to injustice in this world. There's a show that was on NBC called The Good Place, and Michael, the character played by Ted Danson, said this. He said, these days, just buying a tomato at a grocery store means that you're unwittingly supporting toxic pesticides, exploiting labor, and contributing to global warming. This is the world we live in. So if there's truly that many justice issues out there, what should our proper response be to that long list I gave you in the beginning? What are you supposed to do 
when you really open your eyes and look around the world and see the overwhelming amount of injustice that there is, and when you truly consider the monumental task that it would take to fight injustice, what are your options? Now, one option, of course, is just to crawl back into bed or just ignore it. Say, you know what? I'm just going to do me. I'm going to live my own self-centered life, and I don't really care about everyone else out there. But if you do care, if you really think, you know what, I should do something, I should care about justice, then what are your options? And I see four that I want to bring up this morning. So I think the first option is this. Seek justice until you achieve it or burn out trying. Okay? If you really take seriously that list I gave you there, if you really say, you know what, I need to tackle these amazing, overwhelming justice issues, you're going to either accomplish it or you're going to burn out trying. As I was preparing for this week's message, I came across this article online written by someone named Connor Barnes, and it was a great article. He said this, quoted in JM, the anarchist professor Richard Day proposes infinite responsibility. We can never allow ourselves to think that we are done, that we have identified all of the sites, structures, and processes of oppression out there or in here, inside our own individual and group identities. And then Connor Barnes says this, infinite responsibility means infinite guilt, a kind of Christianity without salvation. To see power in every interaction is to see sin in every interaction. All that the activist can offer to absolve herself is Sisyphean effort until burnout. Sisyphus was the Greek mythological character who was condemned to forever push a boulder up the hill and then it would roll back down and push the boulder up the hill and roll down again. And I love this take on what Connor Barnes sees out there in the culture, saying it's a kind of infinite responsibility, infinite guilt without salvation. Just keep pushing the boulder up the hill until you burn out. So if you do care about justice, what do you do? Keep pushing the boulder up the hill until you burn out? One of the things that's intrigued me about this newfound focus on social justice is the, as he puts it, this resurgence in guilt. You know, we live in this relativistic culture that for a long time Christianity had a hard time speaking to people who didn't really identify with guilt. You know, we have a a message of God's forgiveness for sinners, but if you don't really think that guilt is a thing, it's just relativistic and what's good for you is not necessarily good for me, then who cares about guilt? But nowadays, now that there's been this huge push for social justice, there's this increase in feelings of guilt, that this personal responsibility that we have that we don't measure up to. What do you do with that infinite guilt? As he says, it's this guilt, this infinite guilt without salvation, a guilt that can never be taken away. You know, we've been reading through the Bible in 2021, and one of the differences people see between the Old Testament God and the New Testament God is the Old Testament God seems more cruel and and all these laws, and the New Testament seems more about love, right? But then you read closely and you find it's not quite that cut and dry. Think of the Sermon on the Mount. What does Jesus do when he talks about the Old Testament laws? Does he say, hey, you know, that was the Old Testament. And you know what? We're not about laws anymore. We're about love and grace. No, he says, you've heard it was said, don't commit adultery. That's the Old Testament law. But I tell you, even if you look lustfully at a woman, you've committed adultery with her in your mind. He says, you've heard it was said, do not murder. That's the Old Testament law, right? New Testament law is this. Even if you're angry with your brother, it's like you've committed a murder. And then he ends that section by saying these stirring words. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. 
Jesus doesn't lower the bar and say, hey, the Old Testament, all, all these laws, but we're just about love and grace. He raises the bar and says it's not just about following laws, it's about the condition of your heart. Jesus raises the bar all the way to perfection. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Infinite responsibility and infinite guilt. Again. So what are you going to do when you're faced with a bar that high with a list that I gave you in the beginning? Option one is you just keep trying harder and harder and harder until you either achieve it or burn out. Either work until you're holy and righteous and just or burn out trying. This whole effort to be good enough has a long history. Think of Martin Luther. He said this, Although an impeccable monk, I stood before God as a sinner troubled in conscience and had no confidence that my merit would assuage him. Martin Luther, as a monk, he tried all he could to make himself good enough before God, whipping himself bloody on the back and going uh, without blankets in the cold German nights, sitting in a confessional booth for six hours a day, trying to think of every single possible thing he could to confess, all to make himself good enough before God. And it wasn't until he finally read Romans and realized, I can't make myself good enough, but there is a way to be right with God that doesn't depend upon my efforts doesn't depend upon my good works. I think what these modern social justice warriors are learning the hard way is that you can never do enough justice. I mean, do you call yourself a social, someone who cares about social justice just because you buy fair trade coffee or put a Black Lives Matter graphic on your Facebook page when there's hundreds of other injustices in the world that you're not paying attention to? Who could ever do enough to truly say that they care about justice. Again, infinite responsibility means infinite guilt, a kind of Christianity without salvation. All that the activist can offer to absolve herself is Sisyphean effort until burnout. What's my point? First of all, if you want to say you care about justice, recognize the magnitude of the issue. We're not talking about one or two little issues here. The magnitude of injustice around the world, how overwhelming it is. And your first option is just to say, you know what, I'm going to try my hardest to do justice until I achieve it or burn out. I'm going to try my best to do good works with everything I have until I burn out. Second option is this, though. Lower the bar. All right? Maybe that's just crazy to think, wow, I can just try to achieve justice and righteousness and all of that and become good enough in my eyes and in the eyes of everyone else. Most people, I think, when they're faced with that, they just lower the bar to an acceptable distance that they can clear, you know, a height that they can clear. This is what it means to be a person who cares about justice. I'll, I'll just take care of a couple issues. It's kind of the, uh, the starfish approach, you know, that story. One day, an old man was walking along a beach that was littered with thousands of starfish that had been washed ashore by the high tide. As he walked, he came upon a young boy who was eagerly throwing the starfish back into the ocean one by one. Puzzled, the man looked at the boy and asked what he was doing. Without looking up from his task, the boy simply replied, I'm saving these starfish, sir. The old man chuckled, Son, there are thousands of starfish and only one of you. What difference can you make? The boy picked up a starfish, gently tossed it into the water, and turning to the man said, I made a difference to that one. True, you did. You know, but he could also say, But what about the other thousand? You know, how dare you go home to dinner? How dare you go home to bed when there's more starfish out there that are dying? Makes me think of Schindler's List. At the end of Schindler's List, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, Oscar Schindler looks out at the sea of these people that he saved, but then he breaks down. He's overwhelmed by the money that he wasted, right? He's overwhelmed 
He says, this, this car, this gold pin, I could have sold that. I could have saved more people. I could have purchased the freedom of more Jews. And they try to assuage his guilt saying, no, no, you did enough. Which is true. But on the other hand, it's true. He could have given away more and saved more people. But if you lower the bar enough, then you can feel good about yourself and say, okay, I did enough. Again, when you read the Sermon on the Mount, what do you find? Do you find that God lowers the bar and says, hey, as long as you clear this bar, you're good enough. You know, as long as you tried, as long as you threw a couple starfish back, then you're good. You're right with God. You're, you're going to heaven. That's, that's the bar that God sets. No, the bar that God sets is this bar of perfection, of justice, of righteousness. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. God does not grade on a curve. And if your goal in life is to combat injustice, there's always going to be another cause. There's always going to be another person telling you you haven't done enough. That why, aren't you, why don't you care more about this? Why don't you give yourself to this cause too? So what are you going to do? If you can't just seek justice until you burn out or lower the bar, there's a third option to make yourself feel good enough. And that is this. Compare yourself to others. Maybe I'm not perfect. Maybe I don't do enough. But at least I'm better than those patriarchal tyrants over there, right? Maybe I'm better than those bigots over there. Compare yourselves to others to feel good about yourself. It's another quote from that Connor Barnes article. He says, Montgomery and Bergman skewer this tendency mercilessly. To remain pious, the social justice warrior must reveal new sins. The new other is not radical enough. The liberal, the perpetrator, the oppressor. Because one's good moral standing can never be guaranteed, the best way to maintain it is to attack the moral standing of others, turning people into what Freddie DeBoer once dubbed offense archaeologists. It's a great little term there. Offense archaeologists, just looking around to dig up offenses around them to make themselves feel more moral, more superior, more better about themselves. This is one thing you can do. If you don't feel good enough, you can go out there and dig up offenses that other people have to make yourself feel better about yourself, to make yourself feel righteous, to make yourself feel like you, are more, you care more about justice than others. If I can't save myself, if I can't achieve a place of good enough, then at least I can look down on others and feel better about myself. When you read through Romans, if you've ever paid attention to the structure of Romans, what Paul does is first he looks at the Gentiles and he says, you Gentiles, and he calls out all their sins, thinking that all the Jews would be like, yeah, right? Those Gentiles, those pagans, look how terrible they are. And then in chapter 2, he turns and he looks at the Jews and says, but you Jews, you're no better than the Gentiles. He says this in Romans 2, 1 through 3. You, therefore, talking to the Jews, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Paul starts by saying, you know, yeah, let's point our finger at all the people out there and how terrible they are. But then he points his finger at the Jews, those religious people, and says, you're no better. And he goes on to the crescendo in Romans 3 saying that everyone has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Doesn't matter what you've come from, what you call yourself. Everyone has fallen short of God's perfect standard. You're all in the same boat. No one can point their finger at anyone else and say, I'm better than you. And somehow be good enough. So again, if you're serious about justice, again, I felt like we needed to 
tackle this before we dove into specifics. This is not about like, hey, this week's Hartford City Mission. Hey, this week's another. And by the end, you're feeling like, wow, I'm not doing anything. And there's so many places I should be volunteering and helping at. You know, what am I doing about fair trade coffee? What am I doing about voting rights? What am I doing about the poor? What am I doing about homelessness? And just piling infinite guilt upon you until you are crushed. Because that's not the way of Christ. There's a better way to do justice, and it's this. Trust in Jesus and then go and do justice. Amen? This is, this is the better way. The better way is not just to go out there and try to tackle every issue that there is or lower the bar so you feel better about yourself or compare yourself to others. It's to begin with the gospel, to compare yourself to others. Because the gospel is this, that none of you have measured up to God's perfect standard. You have all failed to do justice. And not only that, you have all contributed to injustice in this world. That if you take the Bible seriously and you hold it up as a mirror, you will find that not only do you not measure up, but you have contributed to injustice in this world. That you are not good enough and there's nothing you can do to make yourself good enough. No amount of good works, no amount of justice will make you good enough before God. But there is a way to be good enough. There is a way to be right with God that does not depend upon how much you do. Romans chapter 3, as I said, this is the crescendo that he was building to in verses 20 to 24. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. You see that? He's saying, as Jesus raised the bar, you see that you fall short. Because of the law, you become conscious of sin. You see that you fell short of God's holy standard. But now, a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Just, let's just breathe a sigh of relief together. I mean, what if in response to that list that I gave you in the beginning, what if the answer was you guys need to get out there and do better? As a church, we need to go out there and do justice and combat all of these issues. If that's where we began, we'd burn ourselves out so quickly. or We'd have to lower our bar or compare ourselves to others in order to feel good about ourselves. That's not the place you begin when it comes to justice. The place you begin is this that we are all guilty before God. We have all fallen short. We have all contributed to the injustice in this world. We are all in need of a savior. But God has made a way to be right with him, to be good enough that does not depend upon our good works, does not depend upon how much we've worked for justice. It just depends on putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who lived perfectly the life we couldn't live, who did justice perfectly, and then died as a victim of injustice, in our place for our sins. As Paul said in Galatians 2, 15 to 16, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, there it is again with pointing the fingers, know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. That word justified just means declared not guilty. It's a legal term meaning that you're made right with God. You're not guilty. And he says, no one, by the good works that they do, is going to be right, is going to be good enough. 
It only comes by faith in Jesus Christ. And so, again, to that quote in the beginning about how our culture is giving us a message of infinite responsibility with infinite guilt and with no salvation. Just keep pushing the boulder until you die or burn out. And Jesus says, no, there's a better way. There's a better way to do justice than just pushing the boulder up the hill until you burn out. And it begins with this, with recognizing that you can't do enough. You have fallen short. You have even contributed to injustice in this world. You need forgiveness. You need grace. You need a savior. And that there is forgiveness offered in Jesus Christ. There is grace. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10, Paul I didn't put it up there, I guess. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, It is by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Okay, so he begins by saying again the gospel. It's by grace you've been saved, not by works, not by anything you've done. And then he follows that up by saying, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Notice that he begins with the gospel. You're saved by grace, not by works. And then he follows it up with, you've been created anew in Christ Jesus. You're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. Notice the order there. The order is not go and do the good works he's prepared for you and then you will be saved. Then you'll be good enough. He says, you are saved by grace. Even though you didn't deserve it, Jesus has offered forgiveness and absolution. Now that you've been saved, Go and do the good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. I'm not trying at all to lower the bar on justice. I'm not trying at all to water it down and say you don't need to do it. Because I do believe when you look at the Bible, you find that doing justice is part of what it means to follow Jesus. But you have to go into it keeping the order correct. It begins with the gospel of salvation by grace. And then you go and do the good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. And again, I'm going to get into more specifics beginning next week, but we need to keep this order solid in our minds. We need to get it. Otherwise, we're going to burn out as we get overwhelmed by all the issues that are out there that we're doing nothing about. What is going to transform you into someone who cares about justice? It's not just go and try harder. It's not guilt. It's first and foremost recognizing that Jesus gave up heaven, disadvantaging himself, to advantage you. Becoming the victim of injustice and an unfair trial, being crucified, nailed to a cross for you to forgive you your sins, giving you his Holy Spirit, empowering you to go and be the person that he's called you to be. You know, there's a great example of this in Acts chapter 2. In Acts 2, what happens is that the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit And they go out on the day of Pentecost and they preach this message of salvation that ends with this. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice what he says you have to do. Don't go out there and do stuff. It's no, you need to confess your sins, turn from your sins, receive the forgiveness that Jesus has for you, and you will receive forgiveness, and you'll receive his Holy Spirit. But then what happens as a result of that? 
It says thousands were added to their number. And then what happens later in that chapter? A community of justice and generosity is born. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So Peter just preaches a message of repent and believe and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. He doesn't have to tell them, you know, the message is do justice and you'll be saved. No, it's repent and be baptized. Believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. But what comes out of that is a community that is committed to generosity and justice, to caring for the least of these. That's what's born out of that as God puts his Holy Spirit in them, empowering them and giving them Christ's heart to love each other. And that's what we're talking about here. If all I do is just lay guilt on you and you just walk out of every sermon feeling like, oh, there's more I need to do and more I need to do and more I need to do and more I need to do, you're either going to burn out, you're going to lower the bar, you're going to compare yourselves to others, but you're not going to truly get the heart of this. But if you begin with the gospel, that even though we have committed injustice, even though we have fallen short, there's forgiveness in Jesus and that he forgives us and gives us his Holy Spirit to empower us to go out and to form that community of generosity and justice, to go and love our neighbor as he's loved us. That is what we need more than anything. I'm imploring you to begin with the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Begin with the gospel this morning of salvation by grace, and then go and do the good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. Like James 2, 15 to 16, that says, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If any one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? Because that's the kind of community that we're forming here that cares for each other's needs. And I can go and I can give and I can be generous because God gave me his son. Romans 8, 31 to 32. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? If I know that the Father cares for me, that I can go out and be generous and do justice knowing that I'm cared for by God who gave his son to die for me. He'll give me what I need and he'll give us what we need. I'm gonna close now in, in prayer and I just wanna encourage you again, if you don't know Jesus, if you have not received him as your Lord and Savior, please if you have a heart for justice, if you have a heart for others, to care for others, begin there. Don't begin by just trying harder until you burn out. Begin by receiving his forgiveness, receiving his Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness that you offer to us because we confess to you that we have not measured up to your holy standard. We have contributed to the injustice of this world. We have not loved our neighbor as you have called us to love. And God, we do pray that you would bring us to repentance and that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit to be the community that you have called us to be, a community that loves one another and that loves our neighbor as you have loved us. God, fill us afresh with your spirit today. Send us out to be your hands and feet. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.